0: Welcome to the Jaor Podcast, a series of conversations between writer-director Rika O'Hara, myself, composer John O'Podmore, and members of the team drawn together to create a feature film based on Lord Byron's epic poem. In this episode, we'll be chatting to musician and actress Jie Ma. Jie plays a traditional Chinese instrument called the pipa, and will appear in the Jiao, both in the soundtrack and on screen. Hi, Jie. What drew you to play a traditional Chinese instrument originally, and what brought you to the United States?
1: I was born in a a musician's family, the second generation to play this instrument, specifically the traditional Chinese way. My mother was my first teacher and a well-known educator and a performer um, in our region. That's how I started. I Do not believe that drew me to play, but it was a, um, you know, family setting and you were born in that environment. It's very natural for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, your second question is what brought me to the U.S.? Um, I came to the United States in 2004 for a personal reason.
0: It's something that we've touched on in previous episodes about the Asian people that live in the U.S. and how that's an important part of American life. But is not really covered elsewhere. Rico, along the same lines, why did you bring a Chinese musician into a film set in the Ottoman Empire?
2: My thinking is that, you know, that it's an Ottoman Empire. The empires are by definition multicultural, multi ethnic, and multilingual. They did a similar thing with Anna Karenina, bringing in an Indian woman. She is there because Tsarist Russia was so vast and its influence was so widespread and that brought in so many people. And uh, that's a similar thinking. And at the same time, while I was writing the Georg, I was familiar with Jia. I saw her several times play around Los Angeles and there is something so stunningly, captivatingly cinematic about the way she plays. I mean, she's beautiful to look at. And also, you know, there's this fierce concentration when she plays, and I really wanted to get that in there. And uh, at the time I was researching the early Hollywood Orientalism, and uh, there was Thief of Baghdad, 1924, with Douglas Fairbanks. And uh, Anna Mae Wong was playing a Mongol slave. So they were just taking liberties with this idea of uh, empire with uh, people from far away making appearance in Arabia or whatever. And uh, so uh, I said, oh, oh, we can do that.
0: So the Mongol slave is a role that's actually written for Jay. Uh, Speaking of which, Jay, is your instrument the people related in any way to Mongol or even Manchurian music rather than classical Chinese music?
1: Uh, I would say no, okay. but uh, interestingly enough, I'm a half Manchu. Maybe you guys don't know, my mother is Manchu. So more or less, there's some culture influence and um, some trace in our musical life and uh, life in general.
0: <laughs> From my knowledge of Manchu culture, horses play an extremely important part. Is there an aspect of horse riding and uh, horsemanship, involved in playing the peeper? Is it possible to play the peeper on horseback?
1: Well, I have never uh, tried that, but historically, if you look at some arts, some poem, uh, and other form of arts, it mentioned that uh, Manchu and the Mongolian people, back then, uh, those two groups have a lot in common, and the horse, this animal, become one of them, and uh because Manchu and the Mongolian people, they used to use horse as a transportation in terms of daily life and war, and um, that's uh, symbolic of um, freedom, I believe. Another interesting fact it's not about me i'm I'm just um saying it's interesting the horse in Chinese people's life not only Manchu or Mongolian, but overall we believe in the zodiac signs and like horse is one of them. I was born in a horse year and my last name ma, ma m um, a in Chinese one of the meanings of that character is horse oh. so it's a very interesting all the deaths connected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fascinating that's really that's but it's a lot of very strong connections isn't it that's really that is
2: amazing yes yeah i never i didn't think about it your name yeah wow.
1: when i was a little uh I, when i play paper, they call me little horsey but uh go back to juno's question that we saw some images of uh, especially women play People on the back so There was a famous story. It's called Wang Zhaojun Chu Sai. Means there's a princess whose name is Zhaojun Wang, and she was arranged to marry to a leader outside of the main uh, Han area. And she left her hometown and she couldn't bring anything but a people. That's her instrument, and that instrument carried everything she knew about her own culture which is han h-a-n and the music includes literacy and culture reference and also the music and the poem the aesthetic perspective for that um, princess so it's not only a paper but a symbol to uh, travel from china to Frontier, they call uh, back then, is called Guan Wai Frontier. Um, to me, uh, it's similar. I feel like I brought a Chinese music to United States, uh, similarly to uh, history. But history is always evolving and repeating on the same, you know, pattern but different level. That's my perspective on this. Yes.
2: So why not do that to Europe too? I mean, everything came from China. Gunpowder, silk, noodles, and, you know, why not music? It's so much easier to transport, and it carries so much about the culture,
0: right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I believe there's some uh, connections between Far East uh, music culture and European culture. For example, the um, mandolin, uh, the wood, the people, they actually all belong to the same family and through Silk Road, as you mentioned Silk, right? The Silk Road was the first uh, marketplace in the world and uh, people exchanged ideas, culture and information through that. Uh, The forest and the Silk Road reached was in Europe actually Rome, Mm -hmm. if I didn't record it wrong. So I, I believe there's some musical exchange but because of um, the areas and the difficulties of travel back then, um, I think it's not as f- much as Asian Middle East activity, not as often as that.
0: Right. But, yeah. Something that I've worked with, with the melodies for the Zhao was the relationship between the Chinese modes, the five modes of Chinese harmony, and the seven Greek modes. And in the way that they're structured, okay, the Greek ones have two more notes, but in the structure of having a set series of pitches and you start the mode from another step in the scale, it's exactly the same system. For example, the the tune that I've used is an old English folk song called The Drowned Lover. is written in the Dorian mode, but works perfectly well in the uh, Yu mode in uh, the Chinese system.
2: When Jono taught me, oh, I got this. English folk song. I said, okay, it's called the drowned lover. That's too perfect. <laughs> and then, you know, I thought maybe Jonah rearranged it because it sounded so perfect on your pipa.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So maybe, uh, Jay, could you tell us a little bit more about the five modes? Can you play all five of them on the pipa?
1: Among all the Chinese instruments, pipa is the most capable one in terms of different modes and keys and method of playing for wide range. Um, So, yes, pipa can play all the Chinese modes and on top of that, because of the structure of the instruments, it can play most of every melody you can find around the world, it's just a tool. But it does has its own characteristics. For um, my music journey, I have played not only traditional Chinese music, but world music in the, you know, Western, classical setting as a soloist with symphony ensemble. And I actually learned um, folk tunes from different places and more or less, there's some similarities and um, music uh, sharing some common, not only emotion, but sometimes you be puzzled or um, pleasantly surprised. There is some very similar emotion expressed by music from different corners of the world.
0: Absolutely. That is fascinating. And since I composed that piece and worked it for the PIPA, I've done a lot more research into Ethiopian music, and Ethiopian harmony is also pentatonic and has almost exactly the same scales as the Chinese system, which is really fascinating.
2: Yes, Jono, I also detected gagaku chords in your other tune you wrote for the Giyawu, The Lament for Leila. Can you explain that?
0: Well, gagaku comes from high court music of the Japanese court when Japan was incredibly rich because it was the very end of the Silk Road. It's a musical form which is seen as quintessentially Japanese, but actually with a bit of research, it turns out it has flavors from all the stops all along the Silk Road. So that there's a very strong harmonic connection with Chinese music and even Indian music in Gagaku. Also, of course, the Indian connection is very strong with Buddhism, that the origins of Gagaku, they were very, very proud of its exoticism. So that's why that harmony works really particularly well for the Jaor, because we are linking together all these different stories through the, the depth and breadth of the Ottoman Empire.
2: The one element I heard about the gagaku is that it's harmony played by shou or sheng in Chinese. That reed instrument is supposed to sound like the cry of karyobinga, this um, winged creature that is connected with uh, sirens
0: in Greece. That instrument is, it's like a harmonica that you only see it really in Chinese korean and uh, japanese culture it was a series of vertical pipes that you blow into but there are some fantastic players of that instrument these days and it can produce this otherworldly screech it's a very kind of very emotive sound here's an excerpt from leila's lament with the high strings echoing the show and the cries of the cario binga
2: When we got together in Los Angeles in the studio to record some music, you showed me this move called playing the guitar. Could you please explain that?
0: Yes, in in Tai Chi, we have a very, very important posture, very important form that is one of the common forms with all the different sorts of Tai Chi. Everyone knows this position called play guitar. But if you look at the proper Chinese characters, it's play the peeper. <laughs> when, I, um, when, when I met Jay and we talked about it, what was really interesting was that you hold your hands as if you're playing a musical instrument, but you sit back, you have to sit back to hold this position. And uh, Jay told me that you can only play the peeper sitting down it's not a standing instrument, and even just today to say that the people itself is a symbolic carrier of the entirety of Chinese culture, of Han Dynasty culture, it adds extra weight and importance to the to the name.
2: You have studied tai chi too, Jian, right?
1: Actually, I have not, but uh, my grandfather. Was a hardcore Tai Chi practitioner, if I put it that way. So my entire uh, childhood, I wake up knowing my grandfather already did his uh, daily Tai Chi at four a.m. Four a.m. Wow, yes. wow. <laughs> that's hardcore. Yeah, he. Yeah, he he does that for a.m. he does Tai Chi in um, our yard um, courtyard. And um, it was a lovely image. It's like a film, especially when it's winter, the uh, snowflakes are falling down and uh, my grandfather has white beard and doing those tai chi in the snow and so early like the world has nothing else but his own world i think that's essence of uh, one of the essences of tai chi practice but myself no i've been watching and i think juno is brilliant thank you, very much. you
0: it's it's never too late to start <laughs>
1: Yes, it's, um, it's an exercise, but also it's a philosophy mm-hmm. um, translated to a movement. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion mm-hmm. of Tai Chi, although I don't practice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's
0: essentially the application of very profound Taoist beliefs into physical movement.
1: Certainly yes. and I, I also think Tai Chi is a set of ideas that can be implemented to our daily life whatever we do a lot of philosophies or ideas or way of you know, perceiving things I think it's all related to Tai Chi if you perceive it that way it will be healthier and a better life you know
0: absolutely well you've just done my salesman work for me that's the best <laughs> the best advert. <laughs> Best advert for Tai Chi I've heard in years.
2: <laughs> you have been listening to the Gear Wolf podcast by the creators of the feature film based on Lord Byron's 1813 best selling poem. I am the writer director Rika O'Hara,
0: and I'm composer John O'Podmore. Rika has been joining us from Los Angeles while I'm here in London. Thank you again for listening and look out for the next episode of the Jaor podcast.